So if you're tired, take a little break and start over again. If you missed a step, look around and look for that next step because there's always going to be that next step. There's always going to be that path and the solution is right in front of us and you gotta, you gotta listen to yourself. Listen to yourself. Listen to that inner voice. You know, why are you doing it? Find your why. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Welcome to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. What's the real power of leverage? People think real estate is all about leveraging capital. Money is important, but what about the decisions we make? The things we do and don't do determine our success as investors. Choices and actions create success. Before we get to the bank, we make choices guided by mindset and by the things we do and don't know. If we want to succeed as investors, we need to leverage knowledge. We need to increase what we know so our actions pay bigger dividends. Join host Terry Schauer and Jean-Philippe Claude for conversations with leading experts in the real estate field. From mortgages to mindset and from macroeconomics to local market trends, grow your knowledge capital with us. Welcome to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast, where we seek advice to help us make better investing decisions. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. I'm here today with Jeff Andy Clergy, who's the general manager of the Royal Lepage Meller Group. Welcome, Jeff. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing fantastic. Thank you for having me. Great. And so Jeff actually does a bunch of other things. He has his own podcast. He is a real estate investor himself. And so hopefully we'll get onto that a little bit later. But I want to just dive right in. So Jeff, maybe you can tell me how you came to occupy that position and exactly what you do at Mellor Group. So sometimes I feel I don't do anything. And other times I feel I do almost everything. But uh, so how it all came about is uh, I started my, my real estate journey as an investor before. So well, maybe we'll go uh, on that part later, uh, what, seven, eight years ago. But I always had that interest into real estate. So I, I, I in the past, I worked in, uh, in media, in the media world. I worked for uh, agent marketing, PR agencies. So I was, I was always in the marketing world. And I always felt that there, was, uh, there were opportunities in the real estate world through all my experience in, the mar in marketing, in entrepreneurship. Yeah, so there was there were uh, opportunities. So I came about to meeting bunch of owners. So uh, COVID just started. I already had my plan of uh, I wanted to know all the owners in Quebec. Just one um, second. By owners, you mean the owners, people who own real estate agency brokerages? Exactly. That's right. So my goal was to know everybody. So because I wanted to integrate that ecosystem, like any ecosystem that uh, that exists, you need to. Know, you need to understand it, but also need to kind of know, make a name for yourself, right? Because because I was in the, the PR agency, I, uh, the PR world, the media world, and I always understood that part. So so for me, it was very, very important to understand the actual, the actual ecosystem of real estate uh, agencies as I wanted to be an owner. So uh, after multiple meetings, I someone put me in contact with uh, Etienne Miller, and he said, and that person said she, it was a she. Uh, she said, yeah, I think there's a lot of similitude in the mindset, in the goals, and maybe there's a fit. So I remember uh, that day I was in Ottawa. I drove down uh, to Montreal, 
and I met Itzan for the first time and already I saw sort of a connection and we kept connecting. Um, I think every month or so we were talking about business, talking about a bunch of stuff. And at one point he understood what was my goal. And I understood by obviously knowing me better and knowing him better. And uh, we said, uh, you know what, let's, why, why not try to join venture? So that's how I came upon uh, becoming his right hand into this, this adventure, that journey that we're, we've been building for the past um, year and a half, uh, almost two years. And now we're, yeah, we want to conquer the world. So that's the goal. Via Quebec real estate. <laughs> Not just Quebec. Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. The world. The world. The world. The world. <laughs> the world. <laughs> The advantage that I have with Etienne is that, because uh, Etienne is a little bit older than me, he's, he's, we are ten, we're 10 years apart. So I'm like, well, everything that we're starting, we'll forget, we, we will be able to build more and more because even when he will want to, and, and I know he won't never want to slow down, but I'm always going to be a little a, a little bit younger and always have that extra next energy, that's, that energy to push and push and push. And I'm sure if he hears that, he'll, he'll take it as a challenge and wants to definitely beat me and get and be better than me like always but anyways that's that's all <laughs> okay but so if we back things up a little bit and so this is the real estate investors club podcast so talk to us a little bit about investing and about how you got into it and uh, what your experience has been as an investor thus far i was very fortunate my my mom always had an interest into entrepreneurship and owning their their own bis- her own business. So even though she my mom is a nurse and uh, but she always had that entrepreneurship side of her. So I think I took from her and very young she always wanted to own. So but never got the opportunity or the um, the the will to just jump in it. So I I still remember we were um, I was maybe uh, it was with around twenty years ago. We, we were talking, obviously, 20 years ago, a bit more than 20 or 20, almost 25 years ago. We were talking, and I was still very young, and we visited a place. It was in a plateau. It was Saint-Joseph-Saint-Denis. And there's a reason why I'm saying this. So we're, we visited the place, and she's like, oh, maybe we sh- I should buy it. And she was still looking for it. And imagine 25 years ago, how much that it was a, just a condo apartment you can't imagine how much it, w- it was 25 years ago. It was nothing at the time. But she wasn't willing to do the jump at that time because of multiple factors. So five, six years later, that same place went on sale because now I had and I told her and she and I think that was the trigger for her. So then she jumped ship. She decided to jump ship and decided to buy her first triplex. So I kind of understood uh, what was the process and, and, and all. And then years later, when I started to make a little bit of money, I said, you know what, it's my turn to do it. So uh, I jumped in with in a triplex with her and then I bought another one by myself. Then we sold and I, then I bought a few condos and there you go. And so if you can remember back to that time, what would you say were some of the main challenges or what were like some of the hurdles that you had to get over in order to make that decision to jump in yourself? I think that the first hurdle was ourself. I know from on, on my mom's side it was, and even for myself, because when I dis- even when I decided to to myself put that my, is you always have that fear of uh, do I know enough? Do I? Because especially myself, uh, and I think I had to, I had to work on that a lot, but I always had 
the feeling that I had to understand everything before doing any type of moves. So understand the whole structure, understand the whole, the all, all the steps and understand everything behind before even jumping. But after a certain time, you realize, even though you think you'll know everything, you're going to come upon a situation where like today, uh, for example, the last few months, I had a situation where we had some repairs and it was the first time that I had to go through so many delays for a simple thing. Also, I under, always understood delays for repairs and for renovation and understand those, the costs. And with time, I'm, I'm willing to take more risks. It's something that I managed to work on. And, I'm, and so I'm very, when my wife, if you ask my wife, every move that I make, my wife, it makes her freak out because she's like, he's just jumping in. But uh, it was, I had a situation a few months ago, well, a few months ago, it just closed yesterday where we, we had just a simple masonry repair, very simple, couple of thousand dollars. It's nothing major, but it took almost four months to being complete. And, but four months, usually it's, I don't know, it would be like for foundation repairs. It would be for, for uh, a, a whole, you know, where we, we do a whole strip and, full renovation of an apartment but for simple bricks it took four months it was it, it, i found it it was insane because i'm I, I like to be efficient but it wasn't efficient so that's anyway so to come back to your is ourself or is though i think this is the first at least for me the first hurdle was myself mm-hmm. and then if i ask you where you are today in terms of your ambitions and in investing and what you feel like might be some of the obstacles that you're facing i guess it's got to be like 10 15 years down the line how would you describe that? Are you still in your own way or do you feel like there's different kind of obstacles that are there today? It's, I think, so I kind of slowed down the the buying the last two years. Last, yeah, I'd say the last two years, uh, well, I bought I bought a condo uh, last, last November because, so we wanted to buy a house, didn't pan out because of the crazy market, obviously. And when I say a house, like a house house, not like an, not as an investment, really an emotional buy, buy which I'm really, it's really hard for me. But I mean, you, you have a family, you have two kids, uh, you have the wife, you know, she, she and we want a nice house. So it's nothing log- logical, but it was way too crazy. So after being outbid like 10 times, we, I decided to, you know what, let's just change, change the game plan and buy another investment. <laughs> and by buying an investment, something that would fill our needs, at least on short term. And when we finally decide to buy the, the actual house, then uh, we can keep it as, uh, as an investment. But I still decided two years ago to kind of slow down because I wanted to keep, I wanted to use my cash, my money for other type of investments because I wanted to kind of open my, my spectrum of active portfolio exactly. So I wanted to, so that's why I wanted to go into the, the own, owning an agency because I knew I would need a bit of capital. So I said, you know what, maybe I'm going to slow down a little bit then, but I want to go back into it. I, w- I definitely want to go back into it. I think there, are, there will be opportunities out there, especially uh, with what we see now, when things or if things actually crash, I think I'll be ready to do the moves. 
Well, I think, first of all, it's got to be very reassuring to hear that people who are in the real estate space, the professionals, like we have as much trouble as everybody else bidding on houses, housing ourselves, making those it, those decisions, right? And so it's just like a little bit funny when like on the one hand, you know, we play the role of like the professional, the expert who like has all the answers. And on the other hand, you find yourself in that situation where like you're out there just bidding against everybody else. And it's like, are we going to put that extra 50K down and, you know, jump in there at the whatever the roulette table and like put our money down with everybody else. <laughs> the hard part is because obviously as an investor, you invest every, every dollar you want to invest and you want to optimize every dollar. So, but when you get to that range of, oh, I want to buy a house for my family and that emotional side, that's, it's just been very hard for me because, because uh, we, we talk about multiple offers. I had, there was an offer that I, we lost and I put a hundred, what, 140K over and I still lost like it was ridiculous it was ridiculous to a point where i'm like was it really worth it <laughs> like even if we'd have won i think i would have made nightmares if we would have won that that, that bid <laughs> yeah, I, 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 um, like, yeah definitely and so like if we uh, let's say try to put the two themes together a little bit so you know here you are in the seat of the entrepreneur uh general manager of like one of the you know, I guess, premier growing real estate labels in Montreal, if we can put it that way. What do you think are some of the skills that are necessary to succeed at that and in investing in general? Because I'm assuming like you see that there's some kind of a similarity between those two endeavors. Well, it's the, you have to be able to be willing to just sacrifice, well, obviously make sacrifices. Being an entrepreneur is risk management, ultimately is being able to risk everything to for to and for your end for your end meter your end goal so obviously it's to understand what is your goal understand what is your vision why are you doing all this because you can i can we can succeed we can do all the money in the world but if there's no purpose behind it kind of doesn't make sense at one point because you're just going to do to do just just to do it right so a skill set for sure is just to be able to do to handle that that stress or to that willing of put everything on, on the line for you to succeed but otherwise it, it's be able to to accept that uh, you don't know everything you want to learn as much as possible. You want to surround yourself by people that have made it or are better at everything that you do. Is to put to be able to put a team together or to people around you to make you succeed or make you be better at everything that you do, and, and accept that things won't be perfect at all. That's a big one. But you still have to be able to progress and to move forward and and feel. You know, at the beginning of the week we had this conversation where we we're like. Should we track everything we do so that we can kind of do that self-reflection of that self-evaluation and to, to, to understand where you are and where you're going? And, and I think it's super important because you need to feel maybe we, I do it, we do it on a daily basis, but you need to feel that you're progressing. You need to feel that you're going somewhere. And even when you feel you're taking a step back, well, that step back, is it pushing you or is it giving you the, the opportunity to go to move forward towards your goal. So you have to understand, but at first you have to understand what's your goal. Mm -hmm. But so there's two things I want to push you on here. And I guess the first like super easy one is, so what are your metrics? If you're tracking stuff, what kind of stuff are you tracking? Well, there's so many things that we track. Well, on our business, we're all about growth. So we, we have to track, you know, the, how we're growing or are we, and what are the things that makes us grow? So 
Is it the all the all the meetings that we managed to do? How do we actually close those those meetings? How do we get those meetings? What are the initiatives that we do or the campaigns that we do to track to get those meetings? For for every outcome, every events, if we do events, every we do a lot of recording. So what do we all those those uh, initiative? What does it bring us ultimately? Well, these are the type of matrix ma- uh, metrics that I have to look at that we have to look at to to better understand where we're heading. And it's it's hard. It's hard. You realize that there's so many things because you see that utopia business that business model that you want and that you have, but you realize very quickly that the impact of every layer that you add it adds another level of challenge. So even when I have where we look at all those metrics, we're like, well, okay, well, um, these are the how many calls that were made, how many emails that were sent, how many texts that were sent, every, and you're like, well, on paper it should be it should be always the same and it should always be, but you you realize that there's a human factor on the other side because you have employees. You know, I have over 20 employees. I have we we have four departments that we run that we run. And even though that, even though we know everything on paper seems to be super easy, and the framework seems to be good, and we're still, I'm um, like, and we're still working on the framework every day. We want to optimize your process, optimize your 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 optimization, optimize everything that you do. But you realize that wow, it can be challenging. More and more you grow, more challenges. I do believe at one point it will be easier, but. Even though you have the perfect metrics, and even though you do look at them, you still realize that um, it will be, it's always going to be a challenge. So I want to press you on something else that you said before. So you said that entrepreneurship is about risk management. And I think on a gut level, I agree with you. Where I want to push you a little bit is you say it's about risking everything. And I think that to me, that sounds like a little bit too extreme in a sense that I'm sure when you're making business decisions, no, you'll see where I'm going, right? Like, let's say I put this into the investing space because that's where I am, right? And like, yes, every acquisition, if the deal is bigger, if it's in a space that I'm not used to, for sure, there's a certain amount of risk. But part of what I'm trying to do as the captain of that ship is to mitigate the risk, right? Like, I want to know that I have maybe 70% of the data, the last 30%, I don't know. And so if I'm taking risks, I'm taking calculated risks. I, my experience of doing business is never, I don't play all in poker. So I wanted to just throw that back at you and be like, can you unpack what you mean a little bit when you say risk? Because I don't think you mean that every time you make a business decision, you're like risking the farm, right? You're right. And the reason why I talked about the, the risking everything is there's the whole there's a whole spectrum, right? When I talk about risking everything, the everything is more in the sense of if to a certain extent you have to know and it all comes back to your why. You have to understand what is your why and based on that why, what do you need to do to make it happen? So if my goal is to own uh, an NBA team, well, no matter what I say, I will have to do a lot of sacrifices and to risk a lot to make that goal happen. But if my ultimate goal is just to grow my portfolio into my business, well, yes, the risk is going to be more of a, on a financial risk on financials. And if I want to go into bigger deals, well, you have to get more capital to go into bigger deals. And that capital most likely is going to be either everything you have or most likely everything you have, at least on my part, if I want to go into that bigger stream. 
but I, I think you're right. It's yes, you know, when we talk about calculated risk, I think you, you should be doing calculated risk. And it's not everyone that should gamble everything. You know, you can still be an entrepreneur and have the balanced life. You can still be an entrepreneur and only be an entre- like a part-time entrepreneur. You can still be an entrepreneur and only have that one business that gives you that job security-ish because you decided to buy a pizza joint, right? But if you want to scale it, that's I think that's the variable that I didn't to make, forget to mention that if you want to scale it, well, depending on what extent you want to scale, well, you will have to go to that extreme. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you do need to take on more risk. I mean, you know, again, is it like, are you doing all in and saying, I'm going to play high stakes poker in a situation where I don't have any data at all? I think no, right? Like if there's always a no, balance no. of, of making of stretch goals, like you have to have stretch goals that are a little bit beyond your comfort zone, but it's never yes. like you know, let me jump in and tie a blindfold over my eyes and not look where I'm going to fall, right? Like, No, of course, of course. You need to at least understand where you're heading a little bit, at least. So if you, you do do that jump, at least you know that you do that you do that jump, well, you, you'll land on something. You don't know what, but you'll land on something. And yes, you're right, because <laughs> I, I think we have, I still have a rule. I, I still have that rule of, okay, well, if I know 60% of where I'm going, I'm good. I trust myself enough that I will figure out that the other forty percent, because I'm able to sustain that that stress, to sustain that the struggles, etc. But one thing that's super important is that because I I'm I'm very transparent with my with my wife, my goals, I have personal goals, but we also have that ultimate goal together as a one unit. So it's for me, it's super also super important that she's on board on everything I do, even though she can't handle it. But I want her to be on board because we also have that common goal. It's so that every time we come back into why are we doing this and we look at it and say, all right, rest realign, let's focus and let's accept whatever will happen. We won't be able to buy that super amazing house today, but we'll make it count in four years, right? Mm-hmm. So what is your why, Jeff? What is my why? <laughs> yeah. I'm very uh I'm very strong into family and I want I want to be able to it's kind of cliche but I want to be able to create that generational wealth. My parents were very fortunate to give me opportunities and I made it count. So very very young I took a lot of risk and it paid out. And I realized that if, because again, my why of, because I want to build something for my kids, I want to build something for their kids. I want to be able to build something for multiple generations. That's my end goal. So everything I do is just, is for that. So I have my moments of, you know, you always have your moments of doubts or your moments of, it would be so easy if I just stay put and take the easy the easy out you know i could just have a job you know and make 250k a year i could do that uh, do i want that no it's boring i want to do something that counts right so so my end goal is for is for the family i want to do it for family but not immediate family i want to do ab- abroad i want to be able to even my, for my extended family to be able to give opportunities either it's it's jobs it's it's mentorship it's you know uh, it's coaching yeah it's very ambitious what i want to do i want to be able to create that ecosystem but 
that starts with giving, but not just money-wise. It's giving knowledge. It's giving opportunities. It's giving. It's empowering my family, community. But it all starts with you got to have something very strong. So that's where I am. That's your why. All right. So look, we're coming kind of to the end of the time that we have together. I wanted just by way of conclusion to ask you if you had one piece of advice to give people who are kind of starting out, be it as entrepreneurs or as investors and, you know, looking up at the mountain and being like, how am I ever going to climb that? What would be your one piece of advice to people who are standing at that point in their journey? You know, it's funny because you talk about that mountain and I tell my son who's five years old, who almost five years old, that one thing, that one phrase that I tell him, but I'm talking to myself every time that I tell him that. And it's super simple. It's super, but you realize that things are not as complicated and there's always a solution, no matter what. There's always going to be that solution. You just have to be creative and figure it out and taking that step back. So I would say there's always a solution. So that mountain is, how big is that mountain? You realize at one point that, it was the only one way to climb that mountain and you have to climb it because I mean, unless you want to stay where you are and you're happy with where you are, fair enough. But if you're not happy with what you're doing and your current position, there's a way out. And the way out is climbing and you have to climb and you have to. And so if you're tired, take a little break and start over again. If you missed a step, look around and look for that next step. Because there's always going to be that next step. There's always going to be that path. And the solution is right in front of us. And you got to listen to yourself. Listen to yourself. Listen to that inner voice. You know, why are you doing it? Find your why. Yeah, 100%. All right. Well, Jeff, thank you for spending this half hour with me. If people want to reach out to you, want to learn more about what you do, what's the best way for them to do that? They can reach out to all social media, Jeff and Clergé, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. I'm all, all platforms. They can reach out anytime. It'll be my pleasure to discuss. I love to converse. I like to talk. I love to build relationship. I'm very young in my journey, but I, I made it counts and I want to keep making counts. So super open to talk to anyone who's willing to grow and wants to grow. And there you go. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, Terry. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, remember to give us a rating, leave a comment, subscribe, and share. You can find Terry at terryshower.com. Her book, Mindful Landlord, is available on Amazon. You can also follow her on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. JP is the president of the Real Estate Investors Club. You can learn more about the club's networking and educational activities on Facebook by searching for Real Estate Investors Club. Look to the show notes to find information on our guests and links to material mentioned in the episode.